Ladies and gents, welcome to Next Level Radio. I am your host, Colby Wartman, and our mission is to tackle the biggest questions in strength and conditioning, business, investing, and everything in between. We bring to you the best people in every sector so that you, the listener, can benefit and learn from the best in the biz. Whether that is S&C or business, you can rest assured you're getting the best knowledge available. All right, it's time we all grow up a little bit. Ditch the pre-workout. It's not 2007 anymore, and it's nothing like Jack 3D. Ditch the shaker. You're not four years old, and you don't need a bottle anymore. And get yourself the best dippable pre-workout on the market. Each pouch is patriotically packed with 300 milligrams of caffeine and vitamins because shaker bottles suck. Send It Sups is the on-the-go solution for athletes, LEOs, firefighters, door kickers, and everybody in between. Head over to senditsups.com to get the best dippable pre-workout on the market, and we thank Send It Sups for being a sponsor of Next Level Radio. Next Level Radio continues to grow because of our listeners and our sponsors. Today, we present you Fat Fish Brewing, the official beer of Next Level Radio. Whether you're looking for a night out with family or smashing the best craft beers in the area, you will find it all at Fat Fish Brewing. Check out Fat Fish on Village Street in Dickinson or check them out on their website at fatfishbrewing.com. Life has an amazing way of coming full circle and bringing to you the people that you need in your life at that time. As a young whippersnapper, four monsters deep, just excited to tackle the day, I'm headed to my first strength and conditioning conference, and I hear about a company called Team Builder. Multiple coaches with experience with Team Builder and other platforms said the exact same thing. They said that you can get very similar products across different platforms, However, the thing that truly sets aside Team Builder and puts their product above anybody else's is their true and genuine customer service. As a customer for many years, both at the university setting and the private facility, I can tell you, Team Builder's customer service is absolutely second to none. Late night emails, programming issues, emergencies on my end are all resolved very, very quickly. So join the thousands of universities and private facilities that use Team Builder to elevate their businesses by going to teambuilder.com, click start my free trial, and use code NLT at checkout. Our next sponsor, Nutridyne, a medical supplement company aimed at enhancing performance and addressing the underlying issues of disease. You will be hard-pressed to find the quality that you'll find at Nutridyne. Listeners of this podcast get 20% off all supplements. Just go to at coach underscore Wartman and click the Nutridyne link in our bio. Keep up with us on Instagram at coach underscore Wartman on our website, nl-training.com or keep up with us on the next episode of Next Level Radio. Now sit back relax, and take in the mind-melting knowledge of this episode. Welcome to the stage, and if you guys want to help me, give a warm welcome to Colby. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it, doing better than anybody do it, spoils from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need his theme music. No one man should have all that power. The clock's ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. Everybody hear me okay here? Perfect. I'm going to bring just a little bit more testosterone to this room here. I've been asked to, so we're going to try it, okay? I won't go too hard. But to start this off, oh, I got small ears. This thing's going to fall off. There we go. Um, any other time, it's, it's kind of hard. I don't know if you guys know that song that was just playing, Power by Kanye, okay? Um, I, I, I was asked to choose a song. 
and any other time in the world, you can choose a Kanye song and it's usually pretty safe. Um, if you have seen any news, it's probably not the best time to choose a Kanye song right now. Um, he's gone off his rocker. So, um, first off, I want to thank everybody that made it possible. Um, me being in Dickinson, it was very nice. I'm glad that I can uh, be here, give back, tell a little bit of a story that not a lot of people hear. This is stuff that we usually keep in the closet that people don't want to talk about. Um, I'm very open and honest about my experiences, kind of what happens. Um, and so I just want to thank Nicole, everybody else for letting this happen. Um, it's, it's a great, uh, great pleasure. So my name is Colby Wartman. Um, I'm originally from the best state in the union, Wyoming. Let's go. Um, we actually got things called mountains and you can't see your dog run away for five miles, okay? So um, I, I met my beautiful wife here and uh, Dickinson has become home and I, 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 it's, it's truly home to me and I've been able to do some very great things here um, for both my family and myself. So um, I am outside of the law enforcement, the administrative side, and I am a strength and conditioning coach. I own my own strength and conditioning facility. I get to wear sweats 365 days a year. I deal with sweaty athletes, sweaty people all day long, okay? And I hope to draw some um, comparisons between what I do for my day job to, to what we're gonna be talking about today. So today we're gonna really go over the other side of addiction. Um, when we think about addiction, we have this stigma, this um, perspective that is really ingrained in everything we think about with addiction, okay? It, here in a few minutes, I'm gonna have you guys elaborate on kind of what you guys see, what you guys think, and what you guys deal with, whether that's boots on the ground as law enforcement or administrative, you're seeing this stuff every single day, okay? It's got worse, it's not getting better, um, and I hope to change that on a cellular level, being able to talk openly and honest about what's going on in our world, okay? If you guys have any questions during this, I am very bad. I do not shut up, and so just raise your hand and I'll call on you, okay? So, first off, um, I like starting with a little bit of a quote here. Um, and I don't care if you truly do have a higher calling, if you believe in God as I do, or you're from Colorado and you believe in Subarus and oat milk, okay? Whatever you have, it's very important to actually believe in something and you'll see that transpire throughout this, uh, throughout this presentation. So, come to me, all of you who are tired from carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, put it on you, and learn from me. Um, this is something that I reflect on quite a bit, uh, that I wish that I could have had in these times of troubling um, trials and tribulations, and it's something that I can relate back to when things aren't going great. Um, I found that having a higher power is more, is more powerful than any rehab, any treatment, any talk with anybody else. If we can't be right with what we see as a higher power, um, a lot of us fail. We go in a cyclical cycle a lot of the times, okay? And then another one here, just wanted to give you a little bit of a contrast, um, and this will all make sense kind of as we get into the presentation here. So. Strength does not come from physical capacity. It comes from an abominable will, okay? And I get exactly what this is talking about. And when we, when we relay to addiction, strength is something that is needed. Strength is something that is a prerequisite to get through addiction, whether that's substance, whether that's porn, whether that's um, business, whether that's money, whether that's anything in between, strength is synonymous with success. And in this quote, I, I just wanted to show you guys the contrast. I completely disagree with this quote, okay? And it all comes down to the will. And when we get through my, uh, my soft, gushy-gushy stories and all that stuff, this will all make sense to you guys. And um, as, uh, as a um, person that has gone through addiction, I can tell you guys this, and I'm just very frank with it, um, pardon my language, if that's uh, something here, I know who runs this conference, so maybe it's not that bad. Um, but motivation is bullshit. And I'm gonna tell you guys that right now. Motivation is fleeting, okay? 
Motivation is very, very instant gratification. I'm ready to go, I'm gonna spring clean the house, or I'm gonna go and work out every single day. You find out that motivation is very fleeting and it's not something that serves us. It's not something that can actually make us have great progress in the long term. What isn't bullshit is consistency, okay? And later in the, in the presentation, you'll realize that motivation can breed consistency, but motivation and consistency are not the same thing, okay? Um, it's not a lack of will to get you through addiction. It's not a lack of character that gets you through addiction. You, as humans, as a biological creature, everybody's will can be broken, okay? We talk about uh, off-brand uh, cinnamon toast crunch, and um, even if it's off-brand, if it's in your house, you're gonna eat it, okay? So it's consistency, making a consistent habit, making a consistent way of life, a lifestyle, where you're not gonna eat the cinnamon toast crunch, or do heroin, whatever, whatever suits you. Um, um, being an addict comes down to just a few different things, okay? And you'll see the similarities in business people, in success, in any endeavor in life. And it comes down to habits, okay? We are creatures of habits, and you hear this, but I don't think you realize how ingrained it is in everything that we do, okay? And so I like to uh, lead off with the purpose of this presentation. Why the hell do you have a half-bald strength coach talking to you up here on stage today? Um, and I, I want to lead with this so you guys can elicit change, okay? So, um, the purpose of the presentation is to change the world's viewpoint on addicts and addiction, okay? Again, you guys deal with this stuff every single day. I dealt with this personally, but you see this on a non-personal level every single day, okay? Um, and then number two is to elicit change on the cellular level, okay? When I say cellular level, I'm talking your life, the people that are around you. How can you elicit change in their lives, okay? And then how can you use, at the very end, most importantly, how can you use your addictive tendencies? How can you use your addictive tendencies for success, okay? Whether that is business, whether that is finance, whether that is relationships, okay? How can we use your addictive tendencies for success? I also have a contact page right at the start because by the time that I lulled you guys to sleep, nobody's gonna wanna look at a contact page, okay? So you'll have another opportunity, I promise. But um, I always like putting this on here, um, my email, social stuff, and then I am also a uh, podcast host. I run my own podcast called Next Level Radio. Um, explicit, let's just say that, it is very explicit. Um, and uh, I have some online training programs that we run, okay? And uh, it's very important to me, the podcast is a great way to talk about these different things, and the actual the podcast, um, the most popular uh, episode, is actually what I learned from five years of sobriety, okay? And it's something that is very, I cherish it, and it's helped me along my path, okay? And so the process, guys, very simply, again, from the best state in the union, most people, if you're from Dickinson or the surrounding areas, you haul ass through here out to Denver, and you're like, oh, I've seen Wyoming. I got Torrington. I got Lusk, okay? If you know any of those, good God. It's, it's just not great. It's, it's sagebrush and it's flat. Um, you have more antelope than you do people, um, but I promise I'm from the very beautiful side of Wyoming, okay? So I went to Moreland High School um, from 09 to 12 and then decided to further my education and athletic career here in Dickinson. Uh, yeah, yeah, DSU baby, bleed blue. Um, <laughs> so from there I got my bachelor's um, and you guys will obviously see that this is, this is a very um, condensed version of this process, right? You guys are about to see some of the shittiest parts of my life, okay? And you're gonna see that, oh, this looks all good. And that's what we see on the outside of everybody else. That, well, your timeline looks good, okay? That's what you'll see in here. So went and got my bachelor's and played college football, was a four-year starter for the Blue Hawks and got to play under Coach Bijou. If anybody knows him, I got to play under him for one year. Um, one of the winning, winningest coaches in the world, not NAI, not D2, not D3, um, one of the winnings ever. And then I became a high school strength and conditioning coach um, for a couple of years and absolutely loved it. Very gratifying uh, getting to bang weights and teach men and women um, the, the way of strength. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And from there, 
I uh, went back to DSU um, because once a hawk, always a hawk. And I got my master's and did all those things. And I was the head strength and conditioning coach for football, softball, women's basketball, and men's basketball. Okay. Got my master's um, in business administration from there, entrepreneurship, and it was a great, great time. And then this next one, I put this on here because it's very influential in my life. Uh, the power athlete block one, most of you guys, you guys are in different, different areas, but you guys don't realize uh, or what that is. The power athlete block one, there's only 127 coaches right now in the world that get to call themselves power athlete block one coaches. And it holds a near, dear, um, and near and dear to my heart because you pay, let's just say, in the economy we're in now with administration, all this stuff, you got, let's call it a $500 flight to Austin, Texas, you got your Airbnb, you got your food, and then you pay another $500 bill for this test, okay? I'm in, I'm in quite, quite big here, right? And you go down there and they beat your ass physically and mentally for three days straight. And then at the very end, if you did good enough, um, you get to call yourself a power athlete block one coach. It's the special forces of the strength and conditioning world and it's something that I, I really do cherish and it's helped um, intertwine a lot of these principles that we're gonna talk about here. And then um, I am now the owner of Next Level Training, a strength and conditioning program. Our slogan, um, building better athletes, but more importantly, better humans, okay? Um, sports end at all times, okay? So we need to have better humans here. And I'm also the owner of the Iron Chapel, um, the facility or the vehicle that we use for our athletes working with Trinity, DHS, and then countless teams across Montana, Wyoming, uh, South Dakota, okay? And so as we get into this presentation, I got one question for everybody. I just want you to hold up your hand, okay? So who in here has addiction in your immediate family, okay? Everybody raise their hand. Who has addiction in their immediate family, okay? I mean, we could, we could say that's over a fourth, okay? Those people, um, it's, it's definitely over a fourth. And then um, keep your hand up if you have addiction in your family, okay? And if you have addiction outside of your immediate family of people that you love, that you know, somebody that you know has struggled with that, raise your hand as well. So we're looking at a majority of this room, okay? You guys can raise, put your hands down. Um, we're looking at a majority of this room and that reflects the, the, the data very, very well, okay? And so I just want to uh, show you guys that, that you may know these people or you may not know these people, but there's addiction everywhere. And I want you guys to realize that. So right off the bat, I'm gonna have you, before I switch this slide, I'm gonna call, or not call, I want to have people call out and tell me what the first thing is you think of when you see this next picture. Boom, what's the first thing that comes to mind? No thinking. Addict. Okay, addict. Homelessness. Homelessness. Disability. Criminal. Disability. Criminal. Criminal, okay. Bum, yep. Sad, I like it. Any others? Desperation, like it. Give me one more. What was that? Dependency, awesome. So without any context clues or me skewing your guys' brains or thoughts, you guys all had something that popped into your brain right away when I pulled this up, right? And this may be the stigma that's attached, and most of these were inherently negative, correct? And so I want to lay out this picture to you guys. If you guys go out of this very, ooh, these small ears are killer, um, this, these, this very mediocre uh, speech, and you go out here and out in the parking lot, there's a guy living out of his car, there's maybe a few pill bottles, maybe a few syringes, be a terrible place to have a drug addict outside with paraphernalia, but um, you, lay, you go out there and you think of these things. You think of criminal, you think of desperate, you think of dependency, sad, desperation, addict, and you have these preconceived notions about these people, and that's just human. That's just what we, uh, what we think of, and we think of those people, we strip away the human qualities that we think are normal, like family, finances, they have a job, they have responsibility, they have people that love them, right? So we strip those away automatically without even seeing, and I did the same thing, okay? And we strip that away and we look at those people as inferior class of citizens. And what I am trying to do today is possibly lend some light to that. And so 
when we look at these things such as life and family and all these different things, we think of them as normal. But when we look at an addict's life, that's far from it. Okay? Um, and so what is wrong with addiction is not the addict itself, but it's how the world views addiction. Okay? And we'll get into the success rates and everything that is dealt with, and we'll get into that. But we haven't had success. Just putting it quite frank, we haven't had success. It's got nothing but worse. And we can point fingers and we can do a lot of things, but if we don't take care of it on the cellular level, we're not taking care of anything. We can't expect change and put a Band-Aid over the check engine light, okay? Especially if you drive a Ford. Um, can you scroll down on the notes a little bit for me too? Thank you. Um, so how our world looks at this is very inherently negative. And yes, we do have issues coming from our southern border. We do have Chinese chemists making the most deadliest drug in the world and deteriorating our democracy from the inside out. Everybody knows the name fentanyl. And we have this problem, but we need to really look at it on a cellular level. In this next photo, I want to do the same exact activity. I want to see, I need thoughts right off the top of your head. Go. Everybody knows this picture. Heartbreaking? Death? What was the other one? Irresponsibility. I like it. So everybody knows this picture, right? Liverpool, Ohio, September 2016. Um, erratic driving. Cop pulls them over, and they're absolutely unconscious. Okay? They get charged with a child endangerment and DUI. And um, now that there's, multi there's multiple factors in this picture, our tone changed a little bit, right? Our tone changed a little bit. So now that there's a child involved, our tone changed just a little bit from criminal, sad, and it changed to many different verbs or many different things and words that we can associate with this. And so what I want you guys to think about is how did your thought process change? You had more empathy, correct? You, you, you thought about not these two addicts in the front, you thought about the child in the back. And so let's give you just a little bit of data here. With a addict in the home, this is just addict in the home, whether it's a guardian or not. With an addict in the home, a child is eight times more likely to become an addict, okay? Everybody remembers our dare classes back in the day where they tried to scare you out of everything, you know, and it probably made me do drugs anyways. Um, but it, this stuff has got nothing but worse since then, okay? It's got nothing but worse, and you're going to see that here. So eight times more likely to be an addict with addiction in the home. If you're a male child and your father is an addict, you are four times more likely to be an addict additionally, okay? 2014, up to 2014, one in eight kids, one in eight kids had addiction in their homes, okay? Up to 2014, one in eight had addiction in their homes. Present day, one in four. Every fourth kid has to deal with the shit that I had to deal with. Every fourth kid had to deal with the thing that the majority of people that raised their hand in here had to deal with. And it makes a person emotional. It sucks. It's, uh, there's a reason why we have this problem and it's multi-generational. Um, and outside of just being an addict, let's look at the other issues. You are two times, with an addict in the home, you are two times more likely to have ADHD, two times more for depressive disorder, two times for general depression, two and a half times for OCD, two times for separation anxiety, and two times more to have bad or um, reduced school performance leading to low self-esteem, physical, verbal, emotional, sexual abuse, okay? So we're looking at something that has such a cascading effect and we can't get a hold on it. And I hope that at the end of this, we can get to the bottom of how we can help change this and use it for the better. And so now, as we get into the different part of this talk, I want you to look at these two individuals here, the two front people. Don't even pay attention to the kid in the back. I want you to think about these two individuals as terrible as they are, as the position they put that child into. I want you to think of these people as grown children, okay? Working on their own devices, working on the environment that they were presented with. Okay? And so, I want you now to think about this. Put this older gentleman in the back seat and that gentleman's father in the front seat. 
our thoughts change a little bit. Yes, this is, an ir this is irresponsible and should never have happened, but put this older gentleman's father in that front seat and him in the car seat. That's where things get a little bit different, where we walk in their shoes, right? Okay? I know you guys deal with addiction in some of the worst cases possible, but empathy is a beautiful, beautiful thing, okay? And so now you can visualize that guy as that child in that back seat, and we now see that this is a multi-generational problem. This isn't band-aid over the check engine light, and as good intention as it is, a D.A.R.E. program in every school. This is bigger than that. So I hope that this can help evolve your thinking from traditional thought. And so where did it all begin for me, okay? Um, first off, I want you to look at these two pictures right here as the same picture as that car in the car, in, in the car with those kids, and the same picture as those heroin addicts or fentanyl addicts on the street. This is what real addiction looks like right here. This is real addiction. This is what you guys are gonna be dealing with, okay? So this picture right here um, is just at, so October 13th was seven years sober for me, okay? Um, from the worst drugs that this world has to offer. And that was the last picture, or the first picture of my sobriety that I ever took. My mom drove eight hours up from the best state in the union um, up to Dickinson, which is beautiful. I love it. Um, but she drove all the way up here at the drop of a hat and helped me out. And then this is me playing college football for the Dickinson State Blue Hawks, starting, everybody knows your name, doing all these things. And I'm an absolute piece of crap heroin addict on the inside. Okay, I'm holding it together on the outside, but on the inside, that's a, that's a guy sitting on the streets out in his car when we get out of here, okay? Um, one of my favorite quotes, um, Mark Twain always puts it well. Um, Quitting smoking is easy. I've done it a hundred times. And we've all been here, right? We've all been here. We're trying to get into fitness or, or quit tobacco or whatever it is. And we all know those people outside of ourselves that fall into that cyclical cycle of sober, rehab, relapse, sober, rehab, relapse. And I've been there. And so where did it all start with me? I had a beautiful, amazing, middle-class life. Family took care of every single need that I had. I have a stepfather who came up here for my presentation today, um, chief of police in, in Wyoming. It, my first pain pill that I ever took was my sophomore year of high school. Pretty early, but the addiction started well before that. Okay? The addiction always starts well before that. I was internalizing this lack of acceptance, this lack of love, right? From the outside, I'm the 4.0 student, I'm the team captain, I'm the wrestling all-state, I'm all these things, the thing that the, the kid that people like, right? If the parents say, hey, I'm gonna go hang out with Joe Blow, like, let's back off. Hey, we're gonna go hang out with Colby, go ahead. But from the inside, the story's a little bit different. So I'm living this double life, and I'm absolutely very, very good at it. Very good at it. I'm not saying this guy didn't know what was going on, but I was good at it. Okay, from the outside, didn't really know. And so those objectives that I'm talking about, um, we want to be able to change the perspective on it, but also have the cellular change that we need. And one of my also favorite quotes here is, most men live lives of quiet desperation. And this can be most women live lives of quiet desperation. It does not matter. We internalize everything that we go through. Again, when we looked at that process page, it looked like everything was hunky-dory, right? It looked like everything was great. But from the inside, everything's falling apart. And it's these pictures, these addicts, these people that are the same thing as those people on the streets, it's the same exact book. Addiction is always the same. But it's just a different cover. Just looks a little bit different, okay? And uh, so when I'm living this double life, I'm trying to get away with it and you would think there's some stories that were very normal in my life and you'd think they'd wake you up, right? Um, for many of you, I don't know how acquainted you guys are with it, but um, tramadol is a uh, non-narcotic pain medication. It, it's given in large quantities um, for many different things, but also in large, large quantities taken very high doses, it can cause seizures. And so just some random stories that uh, probably should have woke me up that never did. Um, I came home from uh, losing a very big wrestling match. I was number one and number two in the state of uh, Wyoming. Came home, decided, hey, I have a tolerance. I've done this. I take 20 tramadol. That's just another day. And that's another Tuesday. Okay? That's, I'm, and I'm not kidding. 
20 tram dolls, another Tuesday. I won't mention how this, this friend had uh, massive surplus amounts of this drug, but uh, me and three other guys take it, and this third kid, he goes to go to the restroom, and uh, door's locked, and we hear this huge thud. We're like, what's going on? We're all messed up. So we try to get in there, the door's locked. Well, we have to break down the door, and this individual was trying to take a pee, passed out, hit his head, cut his head open, and is now seizing from a high dose of tramadol. Okay? Again, this is just another Tuesday. This is just something that's very normal. Waking him up, never woke up, we continue to take more drugs. Okay? This is the wicked, wicked mind of addiction. And then back in my day, um, in high school, this is where things really kicked off um, in the state of Wyoming, more specifically Warland, and it just got progressively worse from there. Um, I remember days, sounds crazy, but taking, smoking, snorting Oxycontin while at school. That's not normal. <laughs> you, you grow up in this, in, this, in this time and you think that this is normal. You think that you trying to catch this feeling is normal. They're catching kids in middle school in their PE lockers with heroin. Like, what happened to going out and having a few beers in the Badlands? What happened to that back in high school, you know? And so I was caught in this nasty cycle, and it sounds so crazy, and it never woke me up. I had two family members in my life die from overdose of drugs. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I can be another one. I can just be another number, right? So as I'm living this double life, I'm the team captain, 4.0 student, loved by everyone, and just a piece of crap from the inside. With all these family dying, um, I found out very quickly that we are creatures of habit. Even if I wanted to be done with this, even if I wanted to turn a page and turn this corner, I wasn't gonna, because we're creatures of habit. And we're gonna get into the power of a habit later. Um, something that really uh, chokes me up a little bit, because it's, it's hard, it's hard to talk about, right? Um, through addiction, doing stuff that you know that is wrong. Um, stealing from a single mother, stealing money, stealing drugs. She had back surgeries, that's an easy go. Um, stealing from a father who got spinal meningitis, as much as even though he's an alcoholic, stealing from him, having these drugs at my disposal. And at this first time, I have this higher calling, and it's this, it's this thing that is just a cyclical cycle in my life, and it keeps on coming back. And it doesn't matter unless we act upon it. So I had God kind of come to me and say, let's get this, let's get this together. Okay? And so I came clean to my stepfather, my uncle, all this. And for many, many, many months, I had a drug test waiting on my front doorstep every single day after practice, every single day after school. And so from there, right, I'm out of will. We talk about that, uh, that unbreakable will. Um, I passed every drug test, not falsifying one of them. And I found out that I didn't really know the root cause of the addiction. I just knew that I needed it to get better. I'm going to go play college football. I need to get it better, right? And so it worked for a little bit, and then it really, really turned over. So this is what I want you guys to think about when it comes to addiction. And so rock bottom, <laughs> a little, a little uh, comedic relief. 90% of the time, you usually don't get great pictures at rock bottom. Um, it's a hell of a place, teaches you a lot of things, but you're usually not gonna get the best pictures when you're at rock bottom, right? And so, these are all pictures during that time. Things look pretty hunky-dory, things look pretty decent, right? And so I was clean for 365 days, I went to college, and life's great. And I really find out really quickly that your parents aren't around, you can do whatever you want, you can talk to the people you want, there's no questions asked. And so I really had this, this will that I thought was unbreakable, but you find out very quickly it's very fragile, very, very fragile. And this is when things went downhill very quickly. Had an individual from my hometown move back up here who is a, a known criminal and known drug addict, and he moved up here, and that's when things went really rogue. At this time, I had only done heroin. This is freshman year of college. I've only done heroin once in my life. And then at this point, once we go through this, I'm still a 3.9 GPA athlete, um, playing at a very high level for Dickinson State as we're winning conference championships. I'm the starting outside linebacker, I'm a team captain, and I'm doing heroin all the time. Doing heroin before practice, doing heroin before games, doing heroin before bed, and you start attaching these things to your everyday life. And so I was trying to escape this physical pain 
that I had with three shoulder surgeries and a knee surgery with this excuse running in my head at all times. And I would try to just justify what I'm doing, justifying that I'm in the wild west of what I call it, the wild west of the pain uh, pill ep epidemic, where during this time, and this is in the state of Wyoming at this time, um, doctors didn't have an inter-doctor network where you knew if you were getting six pain med scripts from six different doctors. So at that point, it's easy. I stub my toe, I hurt myself at practice. And so you have all these different pain medication scripts coming to you at all times. And so then I ditched all that and went for the good stuff, right? And where we're at today um, with how fentanyl has taken over, I say this very seriously, and I don't know if you guys will take it seriously, but I'm telling you right now, if fentanyl was the way it was, I wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't be having my first kid in December. I'd be six foot under in Wyoming. I guarantee it. We were reckless. We didn't care. We didn't care how it affected anybody. We didn't care how it affected us. We just needed to catch a feeling, okay? And so fast forwarding a little bit, we get to what's considered rock bottom. No, I didn't run a vehicle into a house. No, I didn't get caught by the cops. I always had this little good angel on this side, like, hey, this is a little bit sketchy. Let's get out of here, okay? Always had this thing that you're, you're made for more than this. And if that's right here, awesome. I'm fulfilling something that I need to do. And so I hit my rock bottom one day and know him, hate him, love him, or don't. I called at the worst time of my life, this rock bottom, this pivotal moment. I didn't call my family first. I didn't call my friends. I called a coach. And that is why the title of coach, besides husband and father, is my favorite title in the world. I hold this man, Coach Pete Stanton, higher than most people in my entire life. He came to me as a human, not as another number. He had a hundred other players, a hundred other players, practice plans, his life, his family, and he came to me as a human, okay? So I call Coach Stanton, I meet him at his office, and then I call my family. I call my stepdad, I call my mom, I call my dad. Like, things got worse. They think I'm doing fine from the outside. They think everything's really, really good. But now it's heroin, it's not, it's not the easy stuff. Hydrocodone. So I go to his office and Coach Stanton sits me down and he says, uh, what's going on? And he looks at me as that outside linebacker, that starter, that person that's that captain, right? And I tell him that the last six months I've been high every single day I've gone to practice. This physical pain that I'm dealing with, I can't get around unless I'm on heroin. And it would make sense, I'm going to practice and I'm knocking heads, I can't feel a thing, right? And at this point, I knew that this was something that I had to get rid of. And what he told me is, Colby, it's all gonna be okay, we just need to get this figured out. And so he takes me, he pulls some strings, gets me into the hospital, and he stays with me for three and a half hours as I'm withdrawing off of heroin, okay? Um, I don't recommend it. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not fun. Um, you think COVID's bad. Um, so at that point, this was a very pivotal point in my life. Um, as I talked about, 90%, 90% of addiction starts with a lack of love, okay? I'm this strength coach, halfway bald, got a little bit of uh, receding hairline, all this good stuff. I'm supposed to be this tough guy, right? All addiction, great majority of it starts with a lack of love, okay? If you don't feel loved, if you don't have this internal feeling of acceptance, you're going to feel it from somewhere, okay? And if you think about children, right? Mothers have the most important, the most important responsibility at the early time of a child's life. But when we think about issues that happen in kids' lives, not taking anything away from mothers, but this is what the statistics show. When the father is absent is when we see a lot of the problems, okay? Whether he's in there physically, or if he's gone physically, or if he's not there emotionally because he's drunk, because he's high, that's where all the problems start. And this coach, for the first time, looked at me as a human, looked at me as a not a number, looked at me as somebody that he loved, and stayed with me while I was at my worst. And so I really want you guys to realize how pivotal that moment is, okay? From that point on, I have been clean. From that day on, I have been completely clean, never touched another thing, okay? So I want you guys to see how big that is, the ripple of effect 
of a coach, and I'm going to insert anything, a ripple effect of a parent, ripple effect of an uncle, ripple effect of a coworker, ripple effect of a friend. That coach, from that point, the same coach that recruited me that had no idea that I had a drug problem, the same coach that recruited me um, all the way from Wyoming, come to Wyoming, and then was my coach, molded me into the player that I was. That same coach that stayed with me while I'm withdrawing off of heroin was also the same coach, fast forward just a few years later, hired me as the first ever strength and conditioning coach at Dickinson State University. Okay? In my life, I'm, I know this may not hold a lot of water in your life, that's full circle, man. Like, that's trust. He's seeing me at the worst. How can he trust a heroin addict? Okay? And you'll find out that the key points that I'm trying to get here, it'll all make sense. Being authentic is one of the biggest things that you guys can do. And so fast forward, um, I completed uh, my rehab program, and I'm going to tell you guys this right now, rehab does not work. It does not work. It's all about your higher calling. It's about how your frame of mind is when you go in and when you come out. Because I was able to be clean for 365 days, but it didn't work. Okay? And so um, I had kind of a funny joke. Um, I get into rehab, I'm checking myself in, and I got to complete this and everything, but check myself in and I'm doing this interview with somebody and it's an income based um, uh, rehab facility right on Pulver Hall is where I went when I was in college and so it's zero dollars for a college kid I mean quite the deal so I uh, sorry you guys probably paid for that um, <laughs> I'm sorry but uh, she uh, asked me she's like how are your grades in college and I said I, I'm a 3.9 and 4.0 student she looks at me she's like you know you're checking yourself into rehab, you should probably stop lying at some point. And I was like, no, I'm a 4.0 student. She's like, we, we, don't, we don't see that. And it's because I had this higher calling. I had something that always pulled me away. I always got my shit done. I always came to practice, but I was always high doing it, okay? So after that, I served a two-game suspension. We came back, we won our first conference championship um, and under Coach Stanton, and it was uh, amazing. But from that point, the ripple effect that a coach can have, that a family member can have, I was able to get my bachelor's from there. Again, I would be dead. I'm doing things that you would never think of. I got my master's, became a block one coach, started my own business, was a podcast host, all this stuff, but now I'm a husband. And now I'm a father. And now I'm a coach, all due to a couple things due to my higher calling, whether it's Subaru's an oat milk or God, finding the root cause behind of what I was doing, and a coach that looked at me as not a number, but a human. And so, like I mentioned, besides being a father and a husband, coach is the best title, okay? In your guys' line of work, your title is the best title. It takes one small thing, one small bit of empathy for somebody that you have no idea and then it comes back years later and you get that note like, you saved me from killing myself. You saved me from doing this. It's all worth it, I'm telling you. That small bit of empathy is all worth it. And you have the ability to do this every single day. And so now, I hope that we can kind of change that stigma and now we're gonna get into how can we change this, right? So you can change that stigma of addict, criminal, piece of junk, X, Y, and Z, to something that can be maybe a little bit more inherently positive. And so I'm here today because God had bigger plans for me, and one man changed his perspective on me and looked at me as a human and not an addict. And so we need to look at addicts. This is one thing before we get into the actual ways to change it. We need to look at addicts as children look at addicts, okay? So when your child sees an addict and they can comprehend conversation, right? Your, your child, you go to inner city Chicago, you go to even Fargo, you go somewhere, and your child sees an addict for the first time, what do they say? Okay. Why is he like that? What's wrong with him? And they're asking the right questions that we breeze over. Not, he's a piece of crap, but why is he a piece of crap? Why is he doing what he's doing? It's so simple, right? We need to ask why. We can't just attach this stigma to them. We need to ask the question, why? So when we look at addicts, we need to see these people as walking human suffering, okay? We need to see these people as walking human suffering. We need to put ourselves in their shoes and realize what's going on. 
okay? And so this is um, my first speech that I gave about addiction in Austin, Texas, this picture here um, in front of all those block one coaches I told you about. This is one of my favorite moments here, graduating with my master's um, with my beautiful wife. And uh, then this is our wedding day here. All this would not be possible. I would be absolutely dead, okay? So how the hell do we change it? How can we change this? How can we actually impact people for the better? And we'll break it down. So in order to have change with something, we need to have a definition, okay? We need to have a definition of what addiction is. And so the, the definition in the dictionary, Google these days, the fact or condition of being addicted to a particular substance, thing, or activity, okay? I agree with that. I agree with that, um, but again, just like you guys saw earlier, I like giving false definitions so that we can really see what the true definition is. So false definition of addict, a person with an uncontrollable compulsion to continue engaging in activities despite suffering negative personal or professional consequences. So now they're putting this as an uncontrollable will, a compulsion to do something, and this is about as false as anything, okay? This is not how it is. This is using your environment, your devices that you were given when you were young. And so I hope you guys can see the difference between those two and that it's not a will, okay? And one of my favorite quotes here that I'll read off for you guys is, uh, it, it puts it in a different context for you. Addiction is not a choice or a medical disease. It's not a failure of will. It is not a it is not a failure of will, it is not a weakness of character, it's not a failure. All addiction is, is a response to human suffering. All addiction is, is a response to human suffering. So now we can look at addiction a little bit differently, right? We can see what happens and we look at it as a child. Why are they like the way they are instead of, I don't like that person, or you're a criminal. So it's searching for or longing for a love, affection, or acceptance. And so what do the numbers show with addiction? 90% of people who need treatment don't get it. 90% of people who need treatment don't get it. There's somebody in this room. There's somebody in this room that's dealing with it, and we don't know, because we're seeing their streamlined process of their life. We're seeing what they're putting on the outside, I guarantee it. 40 to 60% of addicts, good range here, and I'll tell you why, 40 to 60% of addicts relapse. That's uh, pretty terrible, okay? Um, and why that's so terrible too, and it's probably worse than what 40 and 60% shows, is the problems with the data. A lot of people can just say what their success is, okay? They can say that 30 days sober is successful. They can say six months is successful. And they can say a year is successful of sobriety. But now, some people will say just completing their program is successful. We all know that that, that that is absolutely terrible. If this was a business for the consumer, if this was a true business for the consumer, we would take it out back and shoot it. Those are terrible rates. Absolutely terrible rates. And it's people doing the best they can, but we aren't asking the right questions. 40 million Americans in the United States here, I guess Americans would be in the United States, um, or 12.1% of every American is an addict. Okay, that's very uh, current data. And so where does addiction come from? The origins of addiction, okay? Adesir, the Latin root word adesir, binding to or assigning to, okay? As an addict, we bind ourselves or assign ourselves to our drug of choice, and we also bind ourselves or assign ourselves to the label of addict. Okay? And I have a problem with this. A lot of people teach this as a reminder to realize where you came from. I'm sorry to break it to you, I'll never remember, or excuse me, I'll never forget doing addict in a base or doing heroin in a basement. I'm never forgonna get that. So there's no reason to attach this label continually, continually. With addiction being the symptom, or is addiction the root cause? Okay? Addiction is just the symptom. The reason why we're doing it is much deeper. And so we now need to go back to these pictures and look at them a little bit differently. We need to look at these as 
what caused them to do this? Or can you see the walking suffering between these guys? Or this one, changing the seat, changing the role, really puts things into perspective very easily. And so this is where we can get to the point where we can actually make some change, okay? And I want to draw some parallels for you guys so you can really see what's going on. So the cycle of addiction and the cycle of success is the same damn thing. It's the same thing. Nothing changes, okay? And I'll explain to you how this is. So when you're talking to somebody on the other line, whether it's a 911 call, whether it's a family member who's gone rogue, whether it's Kanye West off his medication, when you're talking to somebody like this on the other line, Think of the 4.0 student. Think of the, somebody trying to escape the pressures of the world or the reality that they're in, not the drug or criminal stigma. And so the cycle of uh, addiction here, we have an internal frustration. We need to change it, right? And we start fantasizing about it. How can I fix this? And then it really gets to obsession. I need to fix this. This is running my life. I have to do this. And then we usually turn to some type of substance. And substance can be synonymous with any word that fits into your life, okay? And then at that time, we have a loss of control. We're very guilty over our use. And we t tend to seize the use of the, of the substance. Time goes on, we go to another problem. And it just keeps on revolving, okay? What I want to show you, the cycle of success is the same damn thing. And these principles that I learned through addiction that I would never change, I wouldn't recommend being a heroin addict, but the stuff that I learned completely changed my life and it makes it very simple. So let's take business for example. We have an internal frustration. We need to change something at work. We need to make an innovative product. We need to reach more customers. We need to be able to communicate better to our subordinates. We fantasize about how can I fix this and then we obsess about it and it changes our life. And instead of going towards substance abuse, we look at the one change in here. We look at how can we positively change this and we get to work. We get to work. Instead of doing a substance, we can go to the gym. Instead of doing a substance, we can go for a walk. We can do these things that actually put the place of substance abuse. And then there's always a negative to this. Success isn't always positive. We can have a loss of control. I am as guilty of that as it is. My, I've changed heroin for training in my business, but it's the same thing. Okay? We can have that loss of control. And then that cycle continues to go. We have a passage of time and we have another problem. So there's nothing different between addiction and success, so now we can use these things. And a few different quotes here is, be careful what you think as your thoughts become your words. Be careful of what you say as your words become actions. Be careful of what you do as your actions become your habits. And be careful of what your habits are as your habits become your character and your character is your destiny. We see how fast this snowball can start rolling, okay? And with no difference between addiction and sobriety, it's just how it's handled. My favorite way to put it in very simple terms, how was he talked about motivation being bullshit? It doesn't work. It's fleeting, it's fragile. Motivation equals consistency. And let's just take an addict here, okay? Motivation, I don't have a father. I'm gonna to turn to a drug and now I'm going for motivation to fill that, now I'm being consistent with it, okay? At this point, you can turn around. You can drop the drug, you can turn around. And then I go from consistency to habits. That's when shit gets real. We go from consistency to habits. And once we hit habits, we have the growth both positively or negatively, okay? So that's obviously on the negative side. Now I'm an addict, I have to deal with these problems. Now we look at it positively. Same exact scenario, same exact process. I have motivation to work out. That's gonna get me in the door January 1. And then I become very consistent. I find a program, I find a friend, I find somebody that can help me. After I get consistent, it's now a habit. I've changed my identity, the positive growth follows. And so being able to change your identity is the key to actually becoming successful. So instead of saying, my name's Colby Wartman and I'm an addict, or my name's Colby Wartman and I do heroin, my name's Colby Wartman, I'm, I have a family. My name's Colby Wartman, I train every day. My name's Joe Blow and I own a business. Changing your identity is such a bigger tool than we think because we attach things to us when we're not thinking about it. Robin talked about a lot of great self-care things before I got here. 
This is where that comes into play. And so identity is quite possibly the most important thing you can think of. And then um, a great friend of mine, Jay Liggins. Jay Liggins, he, I played with Jay Liggins. Um, he's originally from Bismarck, and uh, he was here with the Blue Hawks, and then we trained him, got him ready to go to training camp with the Philadelphia Eagles, and um, he played there for a short stint, and then he went to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and played there for a short stint, and now he's in Switzerland playing professional football. And Jay Liggins came to me and really woke me up one day. This is already five years sober, about. And he came to me, and we're having this podcast, and he said, Colby, I need to find somebody very passionate about what they do. And he said, the way that you've attacked addiction and actually compared it to what you're doing now is what really made me gravitate towards you. I said, what do you mean? And on the podcast, he said, he's the one that made this whole speech. He's the one that made this brew into my head. He said, addiction and success are the same exact thing. He said, as an addict, no, much, no matter how much money you have in your pocket, you're gonna lie, you're gonna steal, you're gonna get it. You're going to get whatever you need. As a business owner, you're going to do everything you can. You're going to get what you want. As a husband, as a mother, as a grandmother, you're going to do what you need to do for those kids. And so it's no different, and I hope you guys can see that this is something that can be applied in every single of one of your guys' lives. And so I didn't know how I was going to go from heroin addict to speaking on this stage today. No idea. You wouldn't want to see me back in the day. I don't know how I was going to get there, but I started small and we got consistent. I had a motivation to change, but I needed to get consistent with it. And so now we're talking about building a life, a relationship, a marriage, a business, a career like an addict. How can we build a life like an addict? How can we build a business like an addict? And the first thing I would say and these are your tools to use as you go forth, is be authentic. The first thing is be authentic. It's the most important, and it's the most transparent. So after I released the podcast about five years sober, talking about the Coach Stanton story, talking about all these different things, I had almost a 20% increase in my revenue and my business and my people coming to me. I kept this secret of, yeah, I was this addict, because when I was in college, I went to rehab. Some of my teammates didn't even know. I went to rehab from 8 to 3. At 3 o'clock, I had my football pads. I got out. I went straight to the practice field. 8 to 3 every single day for months. So once I became authentic and was able to actually tell people about this and really push this out there is when things started to really change. Number two, we need to reshape our thinking. And I hope that last slide really shows you that addiction and success are the same thing. They are the same thing. Number three, we need to do the uncomfortable work. I don't know how many times I need to say motivation doesn't work, but I'll say it again. Motivation doesn't work. It's not real. We need to start with the little things and change our identity. Changing our identity to my name is, what's your name? Laura. My name is Laura and I go to the gym every day. If it just gets me in the door, awesome. My name is Laura, and I'm gonna put a smile on somebody's face today. My name's Joe Blow, I'm gonna talk with empathy to somebody today. Change your identity to match what you want, okay? And then last, or yes, lastly, be consistent. I call this the addict consistency. If you've had somebody, the majority of people in here, had somebody close to you that's an addict, we know that addicts have a type of consistency. They're consistently late, they're consistently irresponsible, they're consistently uh, morally flexible, they're consistently stealing, they're consistently doing things, and, but that's a consistency, right? So we need to have this consistency of what we want to change. If I don't like what I'm doing at my job. I need to first change myself and then think if I can branch out from there. And so how do we actually stop addiction in our lives? I wouldn't take back any of these experiences. It's what brought me to today. It's what brought me to having my beautiful wife. It's what brought me to having this family. Um, but we need to be authentic. We need to reshape our thinking. 
We need to do the uncomfortable work, and we need to be consistent. And lastly, as we talked about at the start, hopefully we can see the walking suffering and the changes in our per perspective as we see every single addict in our family, okay? So reshape our thinking to think of them as walking suffering and ask why they are where they are instead of what are you doing, okay? Voila, there's the next contact page. So if you aren't uh, asleep yet, um, here's contact page. You guys can uh, scan QR code if you want. Um, there's uh, my podcast, socials, all that different stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, I appreciate every single one of you guys um, letting me come up here and spew at you guys the whole time. And uh, thank you very much. yesterday is already saying that um, we're best friends um, I think um, that guy over there too wants to turn me off in the yellow shirt from state radio we're best friends too I know I started beef with you I'm sorry see I just want to let the men know this is what it feels like for women to go to law enforcement training because we're outnumbered so I just want to make sure you're a little uncomfortable. Where are you going? We got to do questions. Oh, my brother. Come on. All right, all right. Let's do it. We got door prizes. Who has a question or who has a big insight or like, wow, that was a good moment for me? Bring them on. So with your drug addiction going through college, has that changed the way the college coaches view it or have they implemented drug tests to prevent the future um, athletes from going down that ugly road because you know you started with pain pills and we all know that those athletes you know they especially high profile athletes with the amount of pressure that they're under from a very young age um, all through college and then having the, the injuries those sporting sports injuries that that addiction can start very very early have they implemented any drug testing at the colleges because, not because of yep. your addiction, but because it is becoming um, an ever, it's, it's, a, it's an issue. Very good. Um, and at DSU, when I was here, they had um, once a semester drug testing, okay? And it's random. It's something that uh, I cheated. I mean, you can get around it, and it's something that's, uh, at, at that time, you could get around it. I don't, I can't speak for now, but what I can speak for is when I came from Wyoming, 2013-ish, uh, coming from Wyoming, being able to have all these different pain medication scripts at will, very easy, okay? Coming to North Dakota, and this is a, this is a positive, very positive thing about what everybody here and everybody out there has done, um, it was very hard. It was very hard to get pain meds before I became uh, a more popular athlete here. Okay, it was very hard. Um, these doctors wouldn't 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 prescribe it. But unfortunately, and I hate to say this, but unfortunately, it was something that I accidentally skipped over in my presentation. When I was a college athlete, um, you get off this field, we win, we lose. Um, no names or anything. But downstairs, you go into the athletic training room, and if you have a problem, what do you need? And that's the culture that it was when I was there. What do you need? After a while, they catch on to you actually getting these pain medication scripts and all that stuff. But at the time, it was what do you need? And I think starting from the top down from the NFL going down into colleges and stuff, it's got a lot better. It really has. Um, when I was the college strength coach, I mean, just out of uh, preparation, I mean, I, I had Narcan in my bag at all times. Okay? I don't see it all the time, but if I did, it was something that I wanted to be ready for. Um, and so... It has got better. They're really looking at these different things, and luckily enough, um, it's not as prevalent in those type of people because they're trying to have high performance, but the pain meds are. The pain meds are there, and just trying to get around addiction is, uh, is very hard because it, it happens so fast. And you, you take your first pain medication strip, and if you have that environment, those devices that we talked about, that you have, it, good luck is the problem. 
you know. So I think they have got better, but um, it's a work in progress. It really is. They do have drug testing. I know that it's um, expanding a little bit as we've got a little bit more high profile. So um, as we've had eight appearances in the national playoffs, it's getting better. Anyone else? All right, well, let's give another round of applause. Um, 6.30, cash bar will be open at the Hotel Astoria in the ballroom. 7.30, Benny will be going on stage. You guys are free to go to dinner. I believe in your bag there is some Dickinson Visitors Bureau um, brochures with like restaurants um, that you can visit or you can ask any of the local restaurants or sorry, local people here if what restaurants they would encourage you to do. I will throw this side note out at you, and I will be very frank and honest with you. I would not eat at the hotel. Um, I hate to say that, um, but I would encourage you to eat somewhere else. Um, so, also, um, we need to do a few thank yous, just in case anyone's leaving, but I just want to make sure you guys, if anyone can do share the sponsor logo, on their social media just because this is a huge deal we got some great sponsorships um our budget um almost